welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. If you have your Bible or if you have your phone or whatever you use, I'd like to invite you to turn to the scripture reading. It's from Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to read verses 22 to 32. Uh, if you look, at, if you are looking at the app, you can just click on it. It'll jump over to a uh, Bible program where that passage will be there. So Genesis chapter 32, and I'll start reading in verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I want to jump into this, and if you're still in the app, just to kind of set up a little bit of where we're going to go in these few minutes, uh, there's a quote in the app from Thomas Merton. I would encourage you to take a look at it. it uh, I'm not going to explain it, but it does kind of prime the pump of where we're going to go using this passage from Genesis chapter 32. So let me read this. Uh, Merton writes, to work out our own identity in God is a labor that requires sacrifice and anguish, risk and many tears. It demands close attention to reality at every moment and great fidelity to God as he reveals himself obscurely in the midst of each new situation. We do not know clearly beforehand what the result of this work will be. The secret of my full identity is hidden in him. He alone can make me who I am, or rather who I will be when at last I fully begin to be. But unless I desire this identity and work to find it with him and in him, the work will never be done. I'd like to want to welcome you to our gathering today. Welcome those of you who are watching online. You are part of Oak Hills and we're glad that you are with us as well and that you're worshiping. And I want to say to those of you at home, if you could get some paper, a journal, a pen, something to write with and somewhere to write it, you can write on the floor, on the carpet, whatever you want to do. But I would encourage you to get some way of doing a little bit of writing. And we're going to do some of this as we begin. And those of you who are here received a piece of chalk, I believe, when you came in. And if you could get that chalk in your hands. Sometimes, and I think we're in one of those times, it is good for us 
to engage our bodies in the process of trying to sort out what God might be trying to say to us. Sometimes it just doesn't do enough to sit and listen and to kind of passively receive and respond, but rather requires a little more movement, a little more risk-taking, a little more action to get things stirring and to kind of sense what God might be up to. So I'd like you to grab your piece of chalk or your paper or your journal and something to write with. And as I begin and as I am talking, I want to ask you to feel the freedom. I'm not going to create time for this, but I want you to do this as I'm talking here at the beginning. I'd like to ask you to write in your journal or on the ground a word or a phrase, or if you are a tad more artistic and you'd like to draw a simple picture or expression, a word, phrase, or simple picture that expresses how you feel about your life today right now. Or a word or a phrase or a picture that expresses a concern you are facing, that you just write this on the ground. Or write on the ground or in your journal something that matters to you these days, something that is in front of you and you can see it. It's a situation, it's a circumstance, maybe it's a relationship, and it's churning in you, it's troubling you, perhaps. Write that on the ground or in your journal. Perhaps you want to write down something you'd like to see resolved in your circumstances, a word or a phrase or a picture that captures that, a pain or a fear or a hope you have. And all I'd like to do, you to think about is as you write down whatever it is that is stirring and churning in you uh, along these lines, to write it down knowing God is reading whatever it is you are writing. Matter of fact, if you're not writing, but something's rattling in your mind, God is reading that. And I say this not to discourage you from writing what is real and what is actually going on, but to the contrary. I say it to encourage you to be raw, to be real, to be unfiltered. So as I proceed, if you feel the freedom or if you feel the desire to write something down and keep writing, you feel the freedom to do so. Jacob's wrestling match, this passage we just read, is a good story for us because it demonstrates a crucially important spiritual practice for anyone who wants to authentically encounter the living God. Wrestling with God is the idea today. Struggling with God about something that matters to you. What Jacob does in this story, I would suggest we need to do if we want to authentically encounter God and grow in him, and we need to do it on a regular basis. We need to wrestle with God because wrestling with God is an important spiritual practice or an important spiritual exercise or means of growth. Jacob is about to reunite with his twin brother Esau. The last time they saw each other, as Jacob was prone to do, he manipulated uh, their father into giving him the blessing that rightfully belonged to Esau, and Esau was furious with his annoying twin brother. So this is a story filled with family dysfunction. It's filled with parents playing favorites with their kids. It's filled with an epic and long-standing sibling rivalry. If we want to just capture this in a phrase, this is Jacob and Esau Kardashian we're entering into here. When the twins were born, the Bible tells us that Jacob came out holding Esau's heel. 
So Esau was born first. Jacob had a hold of Esau's heel, and he was born second. So his name Jacob literally means in Hebrew, holder of the heel. And what it really means underneath that imagery is schemer, trickster. Maybe a word that would get at it for us today is manipulator. Always up to something to orchestrate the situation so he gets what he wants. And for much of his life, this is exactly how Jacob lived. Orchestrating, manipulating, tricking, and fooling so he could get what he wanted. But now he is panicked and afraid because he's about to stand face to face with the brother that he stole from years ago. And so Jacob does what he has always done in these situations, and we didn't read this part, but the day before the two brothers are going to reunite, Jacob sends wave after wave of gifts to his brother Esau, hoping to pacify him and buy him off. But on the eve of their reunion, Jacob remains nervous. He's anxious. He's afraid. Because this situation he's about to face just might be beyond his ability to manipulate and control. And he knows it. He is up against something that he knows may be bigger than his cunning abilities. Now, he doesn't realize this, just like we don't often realize this, but God has Jacob right where he wants him up against something he can't handle on his own. Now, Jacob has known about God for a long time, but there's kind of a casual acquaintance quality to his relationship with God. Kind of a, hey, what's up? Sort of a flavor to it. Sort of a arm's length quality to Jacob's relationship with God up until this point. But notice on the eve of this encounter with his brother, for some reason we're not told, Jacob wants to be alone. And I want to pause here for a second because there's something I think is rather important for us to think about. See, there's a vast difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God. A vast difference between being able to describe God and actually knowing God. A vast difference between believing in God and actually knowing God. My wife, Julie, has brown eyes. She recently had a birthday, and she is now a certain age. Julie is a nurse. She drives a brown Honda CRV. She was born in Wisconsin. Julie is a salt-of-the-earth kind of person. Her presence and her vitality makes the world a far better place. But my ability to describe Julie is vastly different than actually knowing Julie. We don't have the time or sufficient cooling stations to get into all the details of this, but over a long period of time, Western Christianity, of which we are obviously a part, has confused knowing about God with knowing God, and they are not even close to one another. Jesus did not come and teach and die on a cross and rise from the grave merely so we could know about God. He came so we could know God. 
And the night before Jacob meets Esau, Jacob wanted to be alone. The frantic activity had stopped. All the preparations were in place. And the Bible said, so Jacob was left alone. And we can sort of begin to see what's starting to emerge here. Jacob is on the brink of something he can't handle. And God has him right where he wants him. And now Jacob is alone. And God has him right where he wants him in order to begin to move him from knowing about God to actually knowing God. Again, we don't have time to wander into this, but there is a rather direct relationship between being alone with God and moving from knowledge about God to actually knowing God. That night, the Bible says a man wrestled with Jacob until morning, and Jacob held his own against this grappler. So the man injured Jacob's hip. It's all a very strange kind of a story. The guy was losing the wrestling match, but he just kind of reached around and in some powerful way touched Jacob in the hip and dislocated it or whatever he did. But Jacob still would not let go. And he persisted. And he said to the stranger, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man then asked Jacob this rather interesting question. He said, what is your name? Well, this man Jacob wrestled with, as you may know, was God, actually. Verse 28 says, you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And in verse 30, Jacob called the place Peniel because he says, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So in reflecting on this, Jacob realizes, I was grappling with God that night. So Jacob and God wrestled on this night before Jacob met Esau. Jacob and God wrestled on this night before Jacob walked into a situation that was bigger than he was. Jacob struggled with God. He fought with God. I will not let you go, Jacob says, until you bless me. And I would suggest the wrestling opened Jacob, Jacob's eyes wider to who he is and to who God is. I would suggest Jacob's wrestling with God nudged him from knowing about God toward actually knowing God. And wrestling with God is a marvelous image for us to think about and kind of hold in our minds. It's not a real common phrase. It may have a certain impact on you when you think about it. It may seem a bit aggressive, maybe even a tad violent, perhaps unnerving or unfamiliar, but it is a wonderful image that authentically depicts what real Christianity is actually like. It's like wrestling with God, being alone, just us and God, locked in a struggle with him about something we care about, back to what you wrote down or thought about. Locked in a struggle with God about something in our lives that matters to us. A past pain, for example. Some insecurity, some present day sin, this haunting loneliness maybe. Some sort of soul turmoil that won't quiet down. A fear we have. A marriage that is in trouble. A family that we're losing. Our finances, whatever it might be. Wrestling isn't clean. It requires climbing into the ring with God and facing him or facing him out in the dusty wilderness. In this case, wrestling was an all-night match, tiring, sweaty, painful, 
bloody. There are scrapes, there are bruises, there are wrenched hips. And again, I'd like for us just to think about this in the context of what it means to be a follower of Christ, wrestling with God. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob describes it all as seeing God face to face as they roll around on the dusty ground together, locked arm in arm. And you know, as I do, that wrestling with God authentically depicts what real Christianity is actually like. And some of you are in such a wrestling match right now. And remember, the match, this one we read about, it may have slipped your mind when you, we, I read it, but the match begins with God wrestling with Jacob. Then a man came and wrestled with Jacob or with us, God being the initiator of the wrestling. So this isn't highbrow theology we're talking about here. This isn't mulling over the meaning of a Bible verse. This isn't safe. This isn't easy. This isn't some pristine profession of faith or some kind of intellectual exercise about the existence of God. What we're talking about today, this idea with, of wrestling with God, it happens in the dirt. So wrestling with God happens when we feel far away from God. And I imagine some of you dutifully here today or watching online, really, if we could scrape through it and get down to the bottom to what you actually would want to write in the journal or the ground, you might say, I feel really far away from God. Or, he seems really far away from me. Can't find him. Can't feel him. Wrestling with God happens around painful wounds from our past that continue to exert influence on us and on others in the present. And we cry out, heal me of this. But we've cried out for years, heal me of this. Wrestling with God happens when an important relationship to us is hurting or failing. Maybe you've been there. Help us, God. We're up against something that's bigger than us. Help us, God. Wrestling with God happens when we are told there's supposed to be peace in Christ within us. But if we get right down to the bottom, to the thing we really want to write on the ground, we see little more than storms and turmoil within us. So wrestling with God is anguished and desperate prayer. It's crying out, bless me, God. Help us, God. Where are you, God? Why, God? Wrestling with God is how psalms get written. How long, God, will you forget me? Wrestling with God is locking arms and rolling on the scorched earth with the creator of all things. I won't let go until you break through. Wrestling with God means bringing ourselves to him in our unfinished and unpolished condition. Go back to this idea of writing something in a journal or writing something on the ground in this awareness that God is reading it. Again, the point being not to get us to soften it or clean it up, but to invite us to keep it as raw as it is, as real as it is. Because wrestling with God means we come to him in our unfinished and unpolished condition, and we open ourselves and say, God, this is where I am. And maybe we say, and I'm sick of being here. I'm tired of being stuck. I'm tired of this pain from so long ago 
continuing to shape me in this moment or whatever it happens to be. This is who I am, God. This is where I'm stuck and struggling. Meet me in this. Help me to know you better in this. In the middle of their match, God asked Jacob, what is your name? Now that just, you go, that's weird. What is your name? But you know, I think what's happening here has to do with how wrestling with God clarifies who we are, strips things away, and starts to clarify who we are. What is our name? Who are we? Let me personalize it. How did I come to be who I am? When we showed up today, and when I walked out here, and there's a myriad of things going through my mind, there's a myriad of things in my inner being. How did I come to be like that? What factors and influences and people and events shaped me to walk toward a crowd like this, having these thoughts, these reactions, these fears, these excitements? Where did all that come from? Well, that's your personality, Mike. Okay. But certainly there's more to it than that. There's a life, set of life experiences and people that have shaped me to be me. So who am I? How did I come to be who I am? What is your name? What are the people and events that have shaped me or you to be who you are or who I am? What pain continues to pull the train of our lives? Been thinking about this a lot. Someone says, what is your name? Part of the answer is, this pain continues to pull the train of my life. What does that mean? It means the engine of one's life can actually be fueled by some pain they experienced that continues to pull their life, even though the pain happened so long ago. What is my name? So we can kind of see wrestling with God is incredibly raw it's unfiltered and maybe you're wondering my goodness mike you've been gone a couple weeks why this jump right back into the muck and the mire why do we need this practice called wrestling with god here's my response for the same reason jacob needed it to move from knowing about self and about God to knowing self and knowing God. See, the process of wrestling with God as we've been describing it widens our eyes to a more authentic realization of who we are and who God is. And this process is transformative. It changes us even if our situations remain the same. So here's my perspective, take it or leave it. It may not be true, it's just my gut feeling that this is where Christians often live the bulk of their Christian experience. What I mean is Christians often live the bulk of their Christian experience in these deeper places within, these longings, these pains, these disruptions, these things that don't line up. I'm supposed to have peace with God, but I don't. I'm supposed to be transforming into his likeness, but I'm not. There's supposed to be joy in the journey with God, but there isn't. I can fake a smile, 
But if we cut through all that and we get into a scenario where I'm going to write on the ground what I'm actually experiencing, I'm not going to write the word joy. It's far from me. I want it, but I can't find it. It seems to me, again, I may be wrong, but this is where Christians often live. We might say it this way. Christians often live between where they are and where some authority or set of factors says they should be. But there's something about being Christian that keeps them from opening up about where they actually are. I'm begging God to save my marriage. You know, when I've been with people and we get to the point, however we get there, where with a kind of desperation and fear, not knowing how it's going to be received, someone says, I'm begging God to save my marriage, and so far, he hasn't. Now we're down into it. Or, I have trouble believing God actually cares about the details of my life. Now we've gone from this up here down to what we'd scratch on the ground where we'd wrestle this out with God. Or they say, why would God allow fill in the blank to happen? Or they'd say, I'm not at peace. My soul is not at rest. It's filled with turmoil. See, these are the realities where many Christian people live, but they live there alone because they fear the repercussions of coming out and saying it. After this wrestling match, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Now, I find this interesting. When the sun rose after this wrestling match and God said, your name will now be Israel, Jacob went and faced Esau. Life happened again. And I imagine the fear and the panic were still in Jacob. But because he had wrestled with God, Jacob the trickster and manipulator was now on his way to becoming Israel, which means the one who struggles with God. Didn't mean it happened overnight, but the process was underway. I imagine when the sun rose then, the world looked slightly different to Jacob. Why? Because he had wrestled with God. When we wrestle with God, it seems to me God gets bigger because when we wrestle with God, we realize we are not going to defeat him. And we slowly and gradually begin to awaken to the multitude of implications there are of simply being his daughter or being his son. We begin to change because we slowly and gradually begin to see who he is and who we are in him. And whatever it is that we've scratched on the ground with our chalk suddenly starts to be seen in the light of who he is and who we are in him. And something is different when we do that. At one point during the wrestling match, I mentioned this earlier, God wrenched Jacob's hip, and when morning came, Jacob was limping. So he limped on his walk to find Esau, his brother. Think about that. He's limping as he's approaching Esau, and undoubtedly, with every single painful step, he's remembering, I wrestled with God, and now I'm meeting my angry brother. You see how that changes the dynamic. So this limp is a gift of grace to remind Jacob, we wrestled, I won, and you're on your way to being someone different. 
I just love that image. I probably shouldn't. Wrestling, pain, limping. I probably ought not like that, but I do. Tussling with a dangerous God who leaves a mark and changes us. I wonder if Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life. I bet he did. I bet his limp was a reminder of God's greatness and power, and it was a reminder of his frailty. It was a reminder, Jacob, you walk with a limp. You walk with a limp. As though God was inviting Jacob to constantly remember, I'm God and you're not. So I'm struck by this. Wrestling with God doesn't fix everything. It might not fix anything. It doesn't solve everything. It might not solve anything, but it changes us. We might say it this way. It inflicts us with the wound of honesty about self and about God. I'm a person who walks with a limp, and I have tussled with God and realized more deeply who he is. When we wrestle with God, we gradually come to see what Isaiah 46, 8 says, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there's none like me. Things might not get fixed or better, but when we wrestle with God, when we make time to be alone with him and authentically cry out and write things on the ground and write things in our journal and wrestle with him, we change ever so slowly. It's raining. Because we awaken, I really hope it pours right now. This would be the fitting end to this, wouldn't it, just to get drenched? We awaken a bit more to his magnificence and to our limitations. And we begin to see our lives in the context of who he is. Just about done. So, we indeed walk with a limp. We live with a growing awareness of God's fullness and of our incompleteness. That's the limp. We live in between the reality of God's sufficiency and the reality of our frailty. And whatever the limp might be for you reminds you, hopefully, that he is God and you are not. My sense, my gut, uh, is that many people these days want to have an encounter with God, want to be with him in a way that is different than perhaps how they've been with him before. So I want to give you an exercise, and then we're going to get out of here. An exercise for this week, very simple. I really would venture to say, I'm speaking to myself as much as you here, that in the last several months, we've all probably done all sorts of things. The thing I want to urge you to do this week is get alone with God and wrestle with him about something that matters to you. Journal, chalk, iPad, notebook, whatever it is. I'll give you a passage, Isaiah 40, verses 25 through 31. Let that frame in your wrestling. And uh, I was going to explain this more, but... I think we should probably wrap this up. So let me pray, and then I got a couple of quick announcements, and we're on our way. Thank you, God, for your goodness, for your presence, and uh, for the way in which you come to us in very graphic and earthy ways. And help us to know how to engage you, to authentically wrestle with you, that we might come to know you. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.